Maybe you've seen some of these images as they come our way from the new telescope NASA has, catching images of deep space. It's been a particular joy for me not only to see these images, but to hear other people's responses to them. To hear a kind of childlike sense of wonder echoing around all the places that people share images and thoughts, social media, emails, conversations, saying, have you seen those? Isn't that amazing, what we're discovering? And beautiful. Marveling at what's out there in the universe so far from us, marveling at the incredible technology that brings them to us, at the combination of engineering and artistry that turns what are basically colorless infrared images, that's how the telescope picks, picks up the, uh, what it sees, um, sees in, uh, in light that we cannot see, and turns them into visible light and color so that we can have a sense of how it might be if we could actually approach with our own eyes. It's good to have our sense of wonder reawakened. And it's reminded me, as I read um, Rachel Carson, that although I and mine, I think, probably have a pretty well-developed sense of wonder, I certainly think that I spend a lot of my time being amazed at the intricacies, the beauty, the mystery of this world, that these moments are pretty rare where we're all saying, wow, wow, look at that, compared to how they were when we were toddlers. If you've ever taken a walk with a toddler, you know it happens about every 10 seconds. And it's hard to get anywhere at an adult pace because the toddler has seen something else that simply must be contemplated and explored with all available senses. Carson speaks about it as an antidote to several things in our adult lives. I guess vaccines are on my mind so I was thinking about it, the sense of wonder more as a vaccine, and it works both ways. It can heal us from boredom and disenchantment, from a sterile preoccupation with things that are artificial, uh, and heal us from our alienation, heal our alienation from the sources of our strength. And it's also a vaccine. And when we realize that oh, we're not quite as attuned to the wondrousness of life as we were at other times in our lives. It's a sign we need a booster. So first I want to talk a little bit about, um, about her uh, diagnosis, and then I want to talk about some possible boosters we can use right now and whenever we need them. She speaks of the boredom and disenchantments of later years. 
and how wonder can help heal them. Disenchantment, of course, literally means things becoming less magical. They were enchanted and then they become disenchanted. And I think that's very much a part of boredom for human beings because, you know, the fact is we love novelty. We notice wonders when we see something new. That's our best shot at, at being amazed. And of course, when you're young, so much is new. And one of the things that our minds do, our brains do, is, um, it, is stop noticing new things. We start, we start to create a shorthand, right? Okay, well now I know what a building looks like. Now I know uh, what a door is and where to enter it, right? Now I know what a tree looks like. Okay, that's a tree. Uh, this shorthand that our, that our brains do is extremely useful for us. It helps us to learn new things. It keeps us um, from having to relearn over and over again things that we've already learned and, and kind of makes room for new processes. It's an, it's an amazing, amazing capacity of the human mind. Um, and it can keep us from being amazed by things that are still wondrous, like trees. Even an exact tree that we've seen hundreds, thousands of times has so much to amaze us if we will allow ourselves to move beyond the disenchanted view, the, oh, that's a tree, I know that tree. And to look at it as we might if we'd never seen this particular tree before or seen so many. See, as if we're a toddler. As the uh, Zen teacher here in the Bay Area um, Shunryo Suzuki said long ago, in the beginner's mind there are many possibilities, in the experts there are few. One of the things that happens as we grow up is we're expert in more things. Um, and so we start to let things fall, fall out, right? Oh, I don't do that. I don't listen to that kind of music. I don't do this activity. Um, I'm good at this, I know a lot about this, I don't know anything about that. I tried that and it was difficult or I didn't like it. And again, that winnowing of experience is very valuable. It allows us to focus, it allows us to become expert and go really deeply into things that we do love, that, that we do excel at. Um, but it also causes us to lose the sense of enchantment that we had when they were new. That a toddler will, you put on any music and a small child will dance instead of saying, oh, I don't dance, or I hate that song, or people are looking. And how much more enchanted life could be if we just once in a while said, let me just listen to this music and how it makes me want to move without any thoughts about, I don't like that one, or I don't listen to that kind of music. That could re-enchant our everyday experiences. And maybe we could do that with the things that we're expert in. Say, okay, I'm not good at everything, but I could do something again that might be fun, even though when I tried it, I was really not any good at it. 
just because it's fun, just because I'll notice something that I didn't notice before. That's where that wonder is. All these things that once held magic for us or could have held magic for us, the spell has worn off, and so our lives no longer sparkle with pixie dust. So if we're ever feeling bored or disenchanted, this might be why. We've lost a little of our sense of wonder. The sterile preoccupation with things that are artificial, she warns about. Things that are artificial. What might that even be? We all know what it is in our own lives, I suppose. I mean, artificial just means constructed, and they can be marvelous, full of wonders. So we have to know, what is artificial for each of us? Relationships can be artificial, never getting below the surface, never getting beyond that mask of polite interest. Activities can be artificial, and what is deep for one of us can be artificial for another. So insert your own. I know certain ways I spend too much of my day that I'm preoccupied with that feel artificial. They feel like they don't put me in touch with what's deep and important. So insert your own here. Things with which we are preoccupied. Preoccupation being habit, obsessiveness, too much time. Taking up too much of us. So for me, some of the things that make me say, I should do something else, or I should turn off the television. I should get off the internet. I should put my, down my phone, unless it's to call a friend I haven't talked to in a long time. But what I really love about this passage of hers, more than the word artificial, more than the word preoccupation, is that word sterile. If we're doing something that is sterile, sterile means it doesn't give life. It doesn't produce anything new. Things that no longer produce joy, connections, delight, even interest, and yet we still do them? Okay, we're grown-ups. We have to do some things. Probably none of us live for the day of the week that we take out the trash and the recycling, but we do them. But what are the things we're preoccupied with that are sterile? They don't produce life for us and yet we carry on because we're preoccupied with them. Well, again, Carson suggests, you know, you won't do that so much if your sense of wonder is alive and indestructible. Because it pulls us away from them. You know, when I do talk on the phone to my dear friend who's 3,000 miles away, it's been really hard to travel to see each other these last few years, and so all we have is the phone or Zoom. And when we have that long conversation, every time I hang up and I think, I tell her too, God, I love her. And I love talking and reconnecting with this friend. It's so good. It's so much more than 
the things I'm often preoccupied. It's not sterile, it's life-giving. And I'm amazed that although we've known each other for 30 years, that's, there's still something to be discovered there. It's an antidote and a vaccine because I'm a lot more likely to do it again instead of doom scrolling. And then there's that alienation from the sources of our strength, she says. Sense of wonder alienates us from the sources of our strength. Well, what are the sources of your strength? What things make you feel like you can do whatever you dream about? Where are the, what are the moments that just are fountains for you of energy and confidence and hope? Maybe for you, these pictures seen through a telescope. Maybe they're a moment on the job. Maybe they're a particular relationship. Maybe they're watching live cams of fabulous animals. You know. You know the things that happen that make you feel like you're connected to the source, the spring, the fountain, that it's been unblocked. And again, her choice of words. The alienation. We've been alienated from them as if they are strangers to us, as if we're from different planets. The very sources of our strength. So, to all these problems, Rachel Carson suggests the same answer. To all our hungers, she suggests this sweet ambrosia that will satisfy. If we're bored, we're disenchanted, we're preoccupied with what is sterile, if we're cut off from what is rich and meaningful, a sense of wonder can banish all these ills. And a booster can keep them away. So I want to spend our last few minutes practicing these things a little bit because there are some ways to reinvigorate our sense of wonder. If maybe no fairy was at your christening to sprinkle it upon you, to give you that gift indestructibly, well, don't worry. You were born with a mind that can bring you back in touch with these things. But certain exercises help. So one of them is time with a small child. Time with anybody who has a really well-developed sense of wonder. Um, so hey, if you have grown-ups in your life like that, great. I recommend cultivating those friendships. And if you catch yourself thinking, gosh, she's amazed at everything as if it's brand new, yeesh, turn off the yeesh and try to see how that person sees the world. If you do have the opportunity to be with a small child, instead of dragging them along or pointing their attention to something that you want them to see, try to see the world. Take in the world the way they do for just a little while. Like if you're walking uh, on a nature walk with a young child, you may notice, um, we grown-ups tend to look for the big vistas, you know, and we get up to the top of the hill and we say, look at that. The child doesn't want to look at that. They don't usually care about the big vistas. 
They're busy looking at the ground, at a bug or a flower or an interesting rock, um, which is a really great thing because, you know, you don't have to go anywhere to see those. They're everywhere. So, sure, point out the vista, but also let the child point out to you this twig. Look at this twig. And bring that back from your walk so that you can start to see a twig with that kind of amazement and you don't have to go on a nature hike, although that's a fabulous thing to do with or without llamas. The, um, the amazement, what is it that they see in a twig? And you can ask them. They're not going to be very articulate about expressing it. But if we can't remember what it was like to be a child, then to witness what it's like to be a child can remind us. Oh yeah, the world is amazing. Let me look closely enough at this twig or this pebble to see something that I haven't noticed in a long time, or to make connections that I've never made. Another thing that we can do is um, suggested by, by Carson herself elsewhere in this book, A Sense of Wonder. And that is, well, I'll let you describe it. She says, um, she went out one night, a clear night without a moon, so the stars were glorious. And uh, she just watched, watched the stars. Once in a while, there was a meteor. It occurred to me, she says, that if this were a sight that could be seen only once in a century or even once in a human generation, this little headland where I was would be thronged with spectators. But it can be seen many scores of nights in any year, and so the lights burned in the cottages, and the inhabitants probably gave not a thought to the beauty overhead. And because they could see it almost any night, perhaps they will never see it. So that's a great little mental exercise that we can perform, is to think, what if this were something I could only see once in a great while? Right? What if squirrels were a species that appeared only seven years? We would say, hey, it's a squirrel year. And we'd notice them. And we'd pay attention to what they did. And we'd say, that's really cool the way they move. Do you notice they can run head down for many meters down a tree? Do you notice the way they can control their tail and their ears independently? Anyway, we notice all sorts of cool things about squirrels probably. Right now they're like, oh, a squirrel. You know, unless you're a small dog. And um, that's a really helpful, helpful thing to do. You know, what if, um, I had another example in my mind of that and it's just gone out of my mind. All right, well, if I think of it later. Things that we don't see, things that we see all the time. Oh, I was thinking of sunsets. You know, sunsets are so gorgeous. And we notice it, I mean, of course we know the sunset is beautiful. But what if they were bland almost every night? And that spectacular sunset, that was a once every 40 years sort of thing. You better watch it now. You might not see it again. Once in a generation or more. And you stay up, you make sure you're out for sunset and you really notice it. 
It's not that we have to do that every single time, no. It's just to recognize that's a wonder right before our eyes. That's a wonder. And can we take it in? Because when we do, that's our vaccine against these ills of later life. And then there's another way that I suggest, and we're going to try it right now. Um, look through a window and contemplate just what you see within that small rectangle. Now, if you're not in a place that you have a small window in front of you, you can always do this with your hands. You know, you make a little window and you just look through that frame. Because again, like seeing small sometimes can really, really help. It's like there's so much coming in that we have, our brains start doing that thing of it's mostly blurred, we're not, mostly, we're not paying attention to most of it. But when you look through just that, well, I'll tell you, I found myself doing this recently when I was thinking about this sermon and, and how we can awaken our sense of wonder. I was sitting in a diner at 25th and Mission in San Francisco, and out the tree, out the window, I could see trees, a tree. I could see a little bit of sky. I could see telephone poles. I could see a building that was made of brick and glass and had a sign that looked like maybe it lit up at night. And just from those things, you know, I could begin to contemplate the whole world. The, the sky was lit by the sun. And because of the particulars of our planet, the sky is the color it is. And that got me thinking. That was so interesting about why at that moment it was blue and clear. The telephone poles had a particular kind of radiance to them where the sun fell on them. And suddenly I was thinking about the sun and feeling that connection to the much bigger solar system. I started thinking about the people who made the bricks and the glass and the sign and designed things like buildings that stand up in San Francisco and glass you can see through. I mean, a solid thing. It's clearer than still water that you can see through. It's amazing. Anyway, whatever you see, try it right now. You can just think about where it takes you. All those lives, all those molecules, all those eons. And finally, there's one other thing. You know, I think one of the things that we one of the traps we fall into in later life is, um, is that we do have to do extraordinary things or send back extraordinary images with amazing technology, which is a wonder in itself, as I said. But that we have to do that in order to have those oh, moments. But you know, wherever we are, no matter what we're doing, waiting at the DMV, Resting, trying to rest in a hospital room where we're ill and in pain. Whatever is going on, we have something with us that can put us in touch with wonders of creation. We have a human body. We have a mind. We have senses. And those are all amazing. 
They're wondrous. Pick one small part of your body, a fingernail, and contemplate it. And especially when we're ill or unwell or scared about the workings of our body, it's really good to reflect for a moment. Okay, I'm mostly thinking about what doesn't work, what I'm afraid is shutting down. The illness that assails me, the pain that I'm in. The way this body can't do the things it used to be able to do and might not be able to do them again. It's good then to remember, oh, just follow, follow in your imagination one red blood cell as it moves around your body. The amazing things it does right now, even with everything going wrong, or dying of boredom at the DMV. That blood cell and its millions of compatriots has just gone through this amazing chemical process and dropped off its load of carbon dioxide. And it's picking up a load of oxygen and it is taking it, oh, and you can just imagine it, everywhere it is taking it and undergoing that exchange and so many others. That's going on all the time. Regardless of whether you think about it and regardless of what else is going on, You can do your own fantastic voyage. Remember that old, old movie? Fantastic voyage into your own body and its workings, into your own mind that can take these things in, that can see and hear and smell what is going on around you. These are spiritual practices. The illnesses that she's talking about, they're ills of the spirit. And so this wise, wise scientist says, be a good fairy to yourself. Give yourself an indestructible sense of wonder. Come back to it over and over again. It's our vaccine against the things that rob us of our strength and our joy. Let me know how it goes. <laughs>